Welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule, where you can freely ask questions, share stories, and learn more about how to have a happy home, family, and healthy relationships. Well, good evening and welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule. Tonight we have another great show planned for you. We're continuing our series, New in 2022. Last week we were talking about how to deal with an identity crisis. And tonight we're going to be talking about changing unhealthy habits that we might turn to to cope. So if you would like to have input on tonight's program and you haven't already written in, you can text us at 325-428-6145. And if you're listening tonight, you can also interact with our Facebook page at Home with Debbie Rule. We are happy to hear and share with our listeners your thoughts, stories, and testimonies over the next hour that we spend together. Every week I share these statements of how important I believe the home is. I believe that every home should be filled with family, friends, food, music, love, and celebration. But most of all, it should be a place to gather, to be cozy, to feel safe, and the peace of God. I feel honored to have those around me year-round, and I love to say I'm at home with family and friends. Stay tuned for Thoughts from Home. At Home with Debbie Rule, your place to discover more about home, family, and relationships. We'll be back. The Haven Family Shelter would like to thank their sponsors that help support the mission. West Central Wireless, Heritage Funeral Home, Jacoby's, Bob Moore Tire, and At Home with Debbie Rule. The mission of the Haven is to reduce the incidence and the impact of domestic violence and or sexual assault in McCullough, Mason, Menard, Kimball, and Concho counties, including surrounding areas, by providing services and support that empower victims to rebuild their lives and regain their dignity within a safe and caring community. Home, family, and relationships can be a challenge, and we have some answers for you right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. Join me, Debbie Rule, every Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. for At Home with Debbie Rule. And this year, we'll be ringing in the new year, 2022, stepping into the new year with success. I hope you'll join me this Sunday at 6 o'clock right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. I look forward to being with you. See you then. Welcome back to At Home with Debbie Rule. This is Thoughts from Home. In these times of great anxiety and distress, many of us have turned to substances to try to change the way that we feel. You might use food to give you the mood or boost to alleviate boredom. You might smoke a joint to help you relax or have a drink or two before going out to settle your nerves and ease any social anxiety. Or perhaps you turn to Xanax or Valium to help you sleep. ADHD medications to keep you focused during the day or prescription painkillers to numb any grief or stress you're experiencing at the moment. When you use alcohol or drugs in this way to manage symptoms of our mental health issue, it's known as self-medicating. You may be aware that you have a mental health problem, but don't know any healthier ways to cope. Or your condition could just be undiagnosed and you simply use alcohol or drugs to cope with a specific symptom or situation. During the pandemic and the resolute economic difficulties, for example, many have started self-medicating. Stress, worry, and depression has entered into our lives and changed so much. 
While self-medicating may offer some relief in the short term, over time it only exasperates your problems. Whether you turn to alcohol, illegal drugs, or prescription medications, or even food or cigarettes, regular self-medication can lead to addiction, a worsening of mood disorders, and increased health problems. It can also damage your relationships at home, work, and school. But you're not powerless. By better understanding the reasons why and when you self-medicate, you can find healthier and more effective ways of coping with your problem and improving your overall mood and well-being. Why do people self-medicate anyway? We all feel down, worried, and out of balance from time to time and in response to life struggles and setbacks. But when we feel the feelings of hopelessness, fear, anger, sadness, or overwhelming stress that starts to interfere with how we function in our daily life, it can be a sign that you need help for an underlying condition. Instead of seeking treatment, though, it can be tempting to try to cope on your own in the simplest way, possibly by just reaching for a drink or popping a pill. In these times of widespread financial and social turmoil, many, many have tried to self-medicate or angst and uncertainty as the world seems to lurch from the one crisis to another. Another people turn to substances to cope with unpleasant memories or feelings streaming from the past, such as unresolved traumatic incidents. Others use alcohol or drugs to face situations that frighten them or to stay focused to task throughout the day. Just as the reasons for seeking comfort in food, drugs, or alcohol, varying according to the individual, so too can the methods of self-medicating. There are forms of self-medication. Alcohol tends to be the most common method of self-medication as well as the most commonly abused substance since it is so widely available. It may be used to self-medicate stress as well as depression and anxiety, even though beer and wine and liquor are all depressants and will therefore only make your symptoms worse. Prescription drugs, including opiate painkillers, ADHD medication, and anti-anxiety medication are also widely available. Their uses can range from numbing pain or relaxation to increasing focus and energy. There's also recreational drugs such as marijuana, cannabis, and stimulants like cocaine, amphetamines that use to manage uncomfortable emotions, situations, and memories. Their use can lead to drug abuse and addiction. Food can be the emotional eaters to self-medicate unpleasant feelings and deal with stress, anxiety, and depression. Since most people crave foods high in sugar, calories, and unhealthy fat, emotional eating can play havoc with your waistline as well as your mood. Nicotine. Well, nicotine contained in cigarettes and other tobacco products help some people focus, although in the long run it tends to make symptoms of ADHD worse and can make it harder to quit smoking. Sometimes we don't understand why we do the things that we do, but we can all agree that destructive habits are never the answer to our problems. So tonight, we hope that you'll be able to gain some insight on some things that you can do other than self-medicating to help you cope with the stress, the anxiety, the change, crisis identity, whatever it may be that's going on in your life. Self-medicating is not the answer, but the answer is find recovery. And tonight, we're going to be sharing more about Celebrate Recovery and what you can do to change at least one thing in 2022 to become new in 2022. This has been Thoughts from Home. Stay tuned. We'll be back. 
you're sick, injured, or feel like you need to see a doctor, call Frontera Healthcare. Frontera Healthcare offers primary health care, sick care, and preventive health care services. Call the clinic for availability of COVID and flu vaccines. Frontera Clinics are located in Brady, Mason, Menard, and Junction with sliding fee discounts based on family size and income. Dental services are provided at the Brady Dental Clinic, plus behavioral health services, counseling, and psychiatric consultation available at all clinics. In Brady, see Dr. Utterback and Brady's new nurse practitioner, Kate Young, at the Frontera Medical Clinic at 2205 South Bridge by Walmart, or call 597-0102. For dental care, see Dr. Katie Whitworth at the Frontera Dental Clinic at 1211 South Bridge in Brady, or call 597-0464. For behavioral health assistance, such as counseling, call the clinic. For more information, go to FronteraHN.org, go to Frontera Health on Facebook, or click on the Frontera logo on the KNELradio.com homepage. Frontera, your healthcare home. The Haven Family Shelter would like to thank their sponsors that help break the silence. Pierce, HVAC, T-Birds, Yesway, Texas Wildlife Supply, Tinsley Drilling, and Verdell Diesel. If you or someone you know has been affected by family violence and or sexual assault in McCullough County, Mason, Menard, or Kimball or Concho Counties, please contact the Haven Hotline at 325-597-7644. Break the silence and make the call. New in 2022, and Mandy's Hair Store has a new look for you from head to toe. Celebrate the new year with new highlights, vibrant hair color, perms, nails, and pedicures. Mandy's Hair Store is your one-stop shop for all your beauty needs, so out with that old drab color and style that isn't for you. Highlights, colors, hairstyles, and manicures and pedicures are waiting for you. New in 2022 at Mandy's Hair Store, located at 404 East Commerce Street. Stop by today and make your appointment. Welcome back to At Home with Debbie Rule, where tonight we're continuing our new in 2022 series. Uh, Last week we were talking about how to overcome having an identity crisis, especially during the times that we've been living in with the pandemic. Also, economic stress, uh, lots of things that have been coming against American families. And uh, we've just learned how to cope with the situation as it comes along. And sometimes we're bringing our baggage with us from our past and then present things impact us. And then we're beginning to wonder what kind of future we have. And so tonight we're learning more about how to change unhealthy habits. If it's just one that you turn to to cope, learning how to change those unhealthy habits so that you can cope in a healthy way instead of turning to something else to help you cope, like self-medicating. I talked about that in the opening comments. Self-medicating is never the answer, uh, but it is something that a lot of people turn to uh, when there is a crisis in their life. Um, maybe they have struggled with drugs and alcohol in the past and they've been sober and crisis comes, especially like the pandemic, being stuck and thrown at home, sheltering in place, having to change a new place to do your job at home, having kids at home, having to go to school, not go to school, go to work, not go to work, things open, things closed. Uh, We're getting back to normal and then numbers surge and people are thrown back into a situation of having to deal with things again and So it's very tempting and very easy to want to, you know, grab the closest thing next to you that feels comfortable so that you can cope and you say, well, I'll just do this until I can get through this season and then I'll stop. Uh, But stopping sometimes is not easy. And um, that's where we run into a problem. So 
Tonight, we just want to bring awareness to the fact that uh, you're not alone. We all have issues that we uh, deal with, unhealthy habits and hang-ups in our life. We carry things from our past, and we certainly do uh, pick up things as we go along. So um, you're not alone, and it doesn't always have to be drugs and alcohol. It can be food, and it can be all kinds of things that we can uh, put in our life that we can become addicted to that distract us from our priorities and from living a healthy, successful life. So tonight, joining me on the program is my wonderful husband, Rudy. Hi, Debbie. It's good to be with you tonight. It's good to be with you tonight, too. We have something special tonight. We're going to be listening to a testimony from a young woman uh, from Celebrate Recovery. She's from uh, Lake Havasu City in Arizona. Uh, An awesome testimony from Hill Top Church, I believe is what the name of the church is. I might be mistaken there on that, but um, just a, you know, a tragic story of she didn't get to start off very well. <laughs> she she started off being born into a family where she already had three strikes against her, uh, and every time it seemed like she tried to do the right thing, um, she found herself back into bad habits again, and so um you know, it's just, it's a, it's a great testimony of learning how people can relapse and relapse and cope and struggle and, you know, do good for a while and then get back into it and do good for a while and how so many things we try to do in our own power. But I love her story that the fact that when God came into her life, it changed her. Well, that is a good story. And it's, uh, a tribute to her that she never gave up, that she bounced back and kept trying and and never gave up on herself. And, you know, a lot of folks start out with three strikes against them, and mm-hmm. uh, she was able to succeed. And yeah. so that, that brings hope into mm-hmm. There are so many uh, wonderful programs out there that can help you uh, to be uh, successful in recovery. I'm a firm believer in Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's faith-based, and I just believe that uh, we were created to have uh, a need for faith and a need for God, and that He truly is our healer and our deliverer. And that's my opinion. There are a lot of scientific opinions out there and a lot of things that go along with that that you need to do as well in uh, order to become whole again and recover. A lot of that is detoxing and going to therapy. And I am not anti-therapy and I'm not anti Science science based based solutions. solutions. Uh, But I am not anti-faith either. I do believe that our strength comes from from God. And so uh, tonight, when you hear the testimony, you're going to hear that she gives God a lot of credit uh, for her uh, recovery that she is now walking in for several times now. So uh, that's that's really a lot of people's story. You know, how many people do good for a while and then we go back into bad habits again? It's it's real easy because when stress comes in, that that's familiar. You know, that's something familiar we can use to cope with. That's right. We fall back into familiar patterns of behavior, yes. places where we're comfortable. Yes. And what we're calling uh, bad habits, uh, we define that as being self-destructive. Yes. And so if you're doing something that's self-destructive, that's not good. Mm -hmm. And so we call that bad. Mm -hmm. And falling into old ways of coping, that's what you hope you get out of when you get cleaned up and straightened up. 
and you learn how to cope with life in a positive, self-affirming way mm -hmm. rather than reverting back to coping skills that are self-destructive. Mm -hmm. And so I think everyone would agree no one wants to be self-destructive. We want to be self-affirming mm -hmm. and grow and get better, be stronger, be healthier, be wiser, be smarter, be happier. Mm -hmm. And so when we say bad habits, we're talking about self-destructive behaviors. Yes. And a lot of what I mentioned uh, in opening comments was about self-medicating alcohol, drugs, uh, different things that we use, food, different things that we turn to um, for comfort. Uh, sometimes it can be even relationships, people, um, sexual addictions, things like that that people turn to because they're just... Um, they don't have anything else that they can grab a hold of, and that is normal to them. And you'll see people will go from one addiction to another addiction uh, because that addictive spirit that they have in their life, that um, yearning that they have, is not just based on the product that they're using. It's, it's something else inside of them that's driving them to want to use. And so, you know, when you deal with those root problems and you start dealing with um, bringing some resolution to those things, then you can start getting those things out of your life. But if you don't deal with those root problems and you don't deal with what's causing you to want to do that, then you're just going to go from one thing to the next. And so a lot of times we've had these conversations and the response is, well, then what do I do? Well, that's when you uh, avail yourself of other counselors, yes. people that you can talk to that will hear you out and say, well, I understand. And, you know, it's not like you're a bad person. It's just maybe you haven't learned a coping skill for your situation. Mm -hmm. But you can talk to someone who can give you different different ways of moving forward that are productive mm -hmm. and good for you. And so talk with someone, and, and you'll be surprised at how many people there are that are available. If you're a student in school, talk to a teacher. Have them direct you maybe to a counselor, uh, a coach, someone who will sit down and take the time with you, mm -hmm. uh, someone at church, a pastor, uh, just find somebody. Don't give up until you find somebody, maybe your doctor, maybe your health care provider. Mm -hmm. So maybe another uh, student's parent is in a caregiving field. Mm -hmm. But find somebody that can talk to you and be positive, and you can even Google it. You can go online and say, you know, how do you positively cope with a situation like this? And then you really have to filter it well and be very careful what you read. But there's ways, ways to be encouraged and directed in a positive path. And uh, remember that there's always groups out there uh, like Celebrate Recovery. And I just I keep mentioning that because it's new to our community. And I want people to know what Celebrate Recovery is. It's not a place where just because you think you may have a problem with drugs or alcohol, or maybe you say, I don't have a problem with drugs and alcohol, so why do I need to go to a recovery program? Well, this 12-step recovery program can help you with any 
crisis that you're in in your life, can help you with anything that's happened in your past, can help you work through divorce, can help you work through the fact that maybe you were abused, maybe you have anger issues, maybe because of things in your past you've become a codependent person and you can't have healthy relationships. Uh, Maybe you just keep going from one relationship to another and it has nothing to do with substance. So um, Celebrate Recovery is a great example of a recovery program that can help you deal with anything that is destructive in your life that is keeping you from living a healthy, whole, successful life in every area, your relationships, in your health, in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, in every area. And so um, tonight, that was why I wanted to share this testimony uh, with our audience, because I just was so touched by it uh, that, you know, she just keeps on getting back up. And, um, and, you know, whenever you fall down, you just get back up and you know that there's always hope. And so tonight we're going to listen to that. We'll be back to close the program when she's done. But I hope you enjoy this testimony from Jamie at Hilltop Church in Lake Havasu City, Arizona with Celebrate Recovery. We'll be back after her message. Hi, my name is Jamie. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I celebrate recovery over drugs, alcohol, and spiritual death. Hi, guys. I was born Thanksgiving Day, November 22nd, 1984, in Fontana, California. My parents owned a successful acoustical T-bar ceiling company, which meant that although we weren't rich, we never had to live poor either. I was born into a family that was part of a Southern California chapter of an MC biker club. As far back as I can remember, my life was surrounded by drunken chaos of garage parties, back patio brawls between brothers of the club, motorcycles in our living room, playing arcade games and dive bars while my dad got drunk, and violence against my mom that no child should ever have to witness. You never knew which dad you were going to get. It always depended on whether he had drank beer or liquor that day. I can recall so vividly almost every night how my mom would spend her time and effort making dinner for my dad, only for him to come home drunk and angry for no reason and either feed her dinner to the dog or paint the walls with it. I can see him as I think about it now trashing everything in the house, destroying the kitchen, tearing TVs down, smashing them on the back patio and forcing my mom to go out in the middle of the night to buy new ones. My mom wasn't an alcoholic like my father. When I think back on it, I often think that at most times she drank with my dad because she knew that if she didn't, things would be a lot worse. She was always submissive and spent all of her time and energy walking on eggshells and trying to smooth things over so as not to infuriate him. I learned at a really young age how to pick up on a lot of these character behaviors that my mom exuded. I learned how to be the type of child that could read my dad and alter my personality and behavior to be who he needed me to be in that moment so as not to upset him. I guess you could say I became a chameleon. The morning after a night of serious abuse, life went on as if nothing had happened. My mom always went on about her business, bruises covered in makeup, as though things were fine. Our family was pretty good at sweeping things under the rug. At 10, my dad moved me, my mom, my older brother, and my nephew, who my parents had taken in as a baby, to Parker, Arizona. That age was so nerve-wracking. I remember when the bell would ring after school, I'd get nervous as I got on the bus to go home. The uncertainty of what chaos would be waiting was awful. You could always tell if my dad was drunk when you got off the bus because you could hear the surround sound blaring rock music from the bus stop. I remember the last time my dad physically assaulted my mom. I was about 14 or 15 years old. In previous years, every time his violence would start, us kids would escape to our rooms and try not to hear what was happening. This time I didn't do that. 
This time I stayed and I stood up for my mom. I remember he let go of her in that moment. I'm not sure if my reaction or words really affected him, but I can't remember a time after that that my dad put his hands on my mom. That's not to say that the emotional and mental chaos in our household didn't continue for many years to come. I often asked to stay the night at a friend's house <clears throat> to escape my home life. I really liked staying at one friend's house in particular because her mom would buy us these massive bottles of vodka and let us get drunk. I liked the way drinking made me feel. I was able to forget for a short amount of time just how sad my life really felt. It probably wouldn't surprise you to find out that by the time I was in high school, I was a rip-roaring, angry mess of a teenager. Being 16 years old with my own car, an evening job at my dad's friend's bar, no real good examples in my life, and a ton of emotional baggage that I had no idea I was even carrying with me that at that time was probably the worst possible recipe for a young adult trying to learn how to make good decisions. It's not like I could turn to my drunken dad to ask for advice. This was a man who I could, at that time, count on one hand in my entire life, had ever said words like, congratulations, good luck, I'm proud of you, or I believe in you. How was I going to ask that guy for words of wisdom? And my mom, she tried. Unfortunately, with all of her time spent spicing an alcoholic husband, she became a pushover, a yes mom. I think she often said yes to things that maybe weren't the best ideas solely because she knew that it would make us happy for a moment amongst the chaos. I can't tell you how many times I heard the phrase, just don't tell your dad. And what's even more unfortunate is that I learned to manipulate her in the process. I became a rebellious, lying, wild partying, promiscuous teenager. I sought out in the opposite sex the love that my worldly father had failed to show me. I became the girl who gave her boyfriend whatever he wanted because I believed that that was the only way for someone to truly love me. I remember being at a house party on the river and in a drunken stupor physically injured my knee. Our local family doctor immediately prescribed me a large amount of an opiate painkiller every month. I remember how good they made me feel. Within 20 minutes of taking those pills, I felt like I could take over the world. I remember thinking that this feeling must be what all those happy normal people feel like. It was almost from the gate that I started abusing them. I remember one time my dad getting up in the medicine cupboard in the kitchen and getting upset with me at how little amount of pills were left in a bottle that we had just recently picked up. I, of course, lied to him and told him that I had shared the medication with other people. We never seemed to come back to the issue again. You know, my brother, who was a couple years older than me, had been going through abusing pain medications for a couple of years by that time. You would think that that would have been a sign of what not to do for me, but... I only used his experience to justify my own. His addiction was always a little further ahead than mine. I remember thinking things like, well, at least I'm only taking Vicodin and not Oxys like my brother. As both of our addictions progressed over the years, I would continue to go back to that rationalization that at least I wasn't as deep as my brother was. My decision-making skills at that time were so all over the place. I would go from experimenting with drugs like marijuana, cocaine, ecstasy, and meth to becoming part of the Miss America organization. At 16 years old, I won the crown of Miss La Paz County and was in the running for Miss Arizona the following season. However, with my superb decision-making skills, I moved to Lake Havasu to move in with my high school boyfriend at 17 years old and within a couple of short months became pregnant. I remember my mom being so emotionally crushed when I told her. She was so sad that I had been on this amazing path with the Miss America organization and now I would have to give my crown to the first runner-up to run in my place. To be honest, I felt okay with it. I felt like I was about to have a baby and start a family full of love like I had always wanted. Unfortunately, my son's father was not on the same page as me. 
At seven months pregnant, he left me for my best friend, and I was left to worry about caring for a child on my own. I was crushed. At that time, it felt like the worst pain I'd ever felt. I moved back to Parker and into the second home that my parents owned. I started working as an office manager at a local business, and I tried to just stay focused on preparing for my son. During this time, I met the man who would become my first husband. I remember thinking to myself that he was the exact opposite of everything my son's father had been, and with my young, immature processing skills, told myself that because of that, he would surely love me right. We started dating immediately after my son was born. A year and a half later, I had my second child. I remember thinking to myself that I absolutely had to marry this man. In fact, I remember at one point my mom trying to tell me that it wasn't mandatory to get married. I remember telling her that here I was with two children by two different men and that no one would ever love me again with all that baggage. Shortly after marriage, he changed. He became unbelievably controlling, picked fights with me on a regular basis, and as a last straw had put his hands on me. I had promised him before we got married that if he had ever put his hands on me, I would leave without question. He knew that I had witnessed so much violence as a child and that I refused to ever be with someone who would do that to me. So I left, we filed for divorce, Throughout our marriage, I had struggled with my pill addiction on and off. I did a lot of doctor shopping, and I had even worked at a doctor's office that had no issue with prescribing me the medications that I wanted for a long period of time. Now that everything in my life had seemed to fall apart and I was starting over, my addiction ran rampant. I was taking so many medications that the doctor I worked for began to refuse my refills. I was so sick without those pills that I made a decision to start calling the medications into the pharmacy myself. During that same time, my mom had convinced me that I should get my tubes tied and really focus on building a life for me and my two boys. I agreed. I was in beauty school and working, and the last thing I needed was an unplanned pregnancy. So we scheduled the surgery. It was the day before surgery when the office called and informed me that they couldn't tie my tubes because my pregnancy test had come back positive. Seriously? <laughs> I had only been seeing this guy a really short period of time. It wasn't serious. I thought this couldn't be happening to me. I sat him down that night, and we discussed things and made a decision to work, it, work together. With each of my pregnancies, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was always able to stop doing any drugs or prescriptions right away. However, my addiction had gotten so heavy at that point that the withdrawals were awful, so I planned to wean myself off instead of stopping abruptly. Before I had the chance to finish weaning myself off of the pills, I was busted for fraudulent prescriptions. I was charged with nine counts of a Class three felony, which meant I was facing a possible 20-year sentence. However, it was the first felony case I had ever had against me, which meant that they were willing to work with me, drop eight of those charges, and place me on probation. I just had to do right, and so I did. I was off the pills and feeling great. I finished cosmetology school and received my license. I started working at a great salon. I was making a living and really building a life. Two months after my third son was born, my mom was killed in a single car rollover accident. She had fallen asleep at the wheel. The night before her death, I had driven myself and my newborn son down to Parker to surprise her and stay the night. I sometimes wonder if I had just not bugged her that night, if she would have gotten enough rest to not be tired on her drive the next morning. I remember waking up to my dad calling from California. I remember him telling me that she had been in an accident. My first reaction was to ask what hospital she was at so that I could hurry up and get there. I remember my dad yelling at me to stop and telling me that she hadn't made it. There had never been a pain that I had experienced in my entire life that ever came close to the pain I was experiencing in that moment. She was my best friend. 
I thought to myself there was no way this could be happening and that someone had to be wrong, but they weren't. She was gone. The first thing I did was take all the money in my wallet, walk across the street to the dope dealer's house and buy as many pills as I could get. I stayed numb for a really long time after that. I had to. There I was at 23 years old and I was going to have to watch my mom be lowered into the ground. There was no way I was gonna be able to face that without something to ease the pain. And so the vicious cycle began again. The obsession and the compulsion to stay high was constant. I remember my belief in God changed the day she was buried. I remember thinking that there was no God because I wouldn't have been through so many terrible things in my lifetime and he wouldn't have taken her if there was. The reality was that it was easier for me to say that there was no God than to admit that I was just angry with him. With my downward spiral of active addiction again came more impulsive decision making. I had gone to my mother's grave site. I remember crying out to her because I was so lost again that I didn't know how to get out. I begged that if she could hear me, I needed help to stop. Thinking back on it, I should probably be more detailed in my prayers. I found that it doesn't always come in the form you might have been hoping for. One week later, my probation was revoked. I was arrested and placed in jail. Here was my help. I was given two options. I could accept two years in prison for my fraudulent prescription charges, or I would be charged with two more felonies, ultimately forcing them to give me nine years flat time. My children were five, three, and two years old. I couldn't take the chance of receiving nine years if I fought this case. So I spent the next two years in the Perryville Women's Prison. During my time in prison, I remember some women having found this relationship with God. I was still so angry that I had lost my mom, been through so much, had been a victim my whole life, that I refused to be available for any of those scriptures to enter my heart. I told myself I didn't need God's help. I would do this on my own. During my stay in prison, my dad had sued Ford Motor Company for a wrongful death suit for my mom's accident. It was settled out of court for a large sum of money. When I came home, I was so angry that people had placed a monetary value on my mom's life that I refused to touch it. It took a month or two before my dad sat me down one morning and told me that if he had died instead of my mom, she would have done the same thing to make sure that us kids were taken care of. In that moment, he asked me to take the money and do something with it that my mother would have been proud of. So I decided to open a salon. I loved being a salon owner. If there was anything I was ever good at, it was hair. We saw quick success. Unfortunately, though, as an addict who doesn't know they're an addict with a large amount of money, probably a bad recipe. My boyfriend at the time was in a pretty bad accident and was prescribed opiate medications. I remember him telling me that he would refuse the medication if it was going to be an issue around me. I had been off of the pills for a couple of years by that time and was a successful business owner. I had convinced myself that it was not going to be an issue and he was going to need the medication. The problem with that was that I had still to that day didn't consider myself an addict had never worked a program, never realized how weak I was on my own, never knew how much I was bottling up inside and sweeping under the rug, and I was still living in pride and ego, always convincing myself that I was strong enough. Spoiler alert, I'm not. Before long, I was back on the pills, going deeper and deeper and eventually becoming heavily addicted to methadone, trying to get off of them but always giving in because of the withdrawals. I had shared my struggles with a client one day, I remember this client telling me that she had something that would help me go through the detox of the pills while still having the energy to keep my salon open. Whatever this was was gonna be perfect. She handed me a bag of methamphetamine. I have to give it to her, her remedy worked. I was off the pills. But unfortunately, I was now addicted to the street drug called meth. It was an unbelievably fast and violent downward spiral from that point on. 
Before long, I was trying the heroin that people were using at my dope dealer's house, leading to the use of both drugs every day, all day long, to the point of self-destruction. I broke up with my boyfriend, married the newest boyfriend in Vegas after two months of dating, crashed two vehicles nodding out from so many drugs in my system, had several seizures from overdoses, lost my salon, my home, my cars, the husband, and my kids. In the process of all this, I also picked up a new felony case. Seeing that I had priors, the law mandates that I go back to prison. But somehow, they hadn't found my priors until we were already in the middle of sentencing. Because of the prosecutor's slip-up, the judge stood by the plea agreement, and I was sentenced to a rehab program in Yuma, Arizona. This four-month rehabilitation program was a faith-based program. Here was that God stuff again. It was at this time in 2014 that I experienced my first Celebrate Recovery at a place called the Hope Center. I spent the next four months experiencing moments of the love of God, all the while blocking it by holding on to my victim mentality and the anger and hurt of losing my mom. I never fully surrendered. I never truly accepted Jesus Christ in my heart. I moved back to Lake Havasu with six months of clean time under my belt. Here I was, starting over again from scratch. My life didn't seem to be coming together quick enough financially, and so I went back to what I knew made me quite a lot of money over the years, bartending. I was working this program at the time. It was truly changing a lot of who I was. I had worked step one. That one was easy. Clearly, anyone could tell that I was powerless and my life had become unmanageable. Now we were on to steps two and three. Had I come to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity in step two? If there was a God, he clearly didn't care about me, and I didn't want anything to do with him. And step three, making a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, that was not happening. I could still do this on my own. With almost two years of clean time under my belt, with my two oldest children back in my life, working several jobs, financially stable, living in my own place and driving my own car again, I made a decision that I was strong enough to be normal and have a drink. It wasn't very long at all before I was back on drugs again. It seems to me that each and every time I go out to that life, it's worse than the last time. And let me tell you now that using drugs while you have a head full of recovery is the most awful state to be in. Yet again, I lost my home, my car, my jobs, my dignity, and my children. I literally watched it all fall apart, one thing at a time, and I could not stop myself. I was in the vicious cycle of the getting, using, and finding ways and means to get more. Nothing else mattered. My family didn't matter. My job didn't matter. My children didn't matter. All I knew was that I needed the drugs more than anything else in the world, and even then, I still didn't feel good. I couldn't come across enough drugs to make me feel better. I had begun using intravenously in hopes that that would get me high enough to feel better. All that did was intensify my addiction and my pain more than it had ever been. No matter what I did, I felt empty and worthless and broken. So many times I tried to get clean again and failed. So many times I hoped that that last shot of drugs would take me away from all this pain only to come to 10 to 12 hours later and still be breathing. There is a worse pain than death, the pain of spiritual death. Being alive and wishing you were not, nothing compares to that kind of pain. On October 1st of 2018, I overdosed in the front seat of a friend's car. He had no idea what to do with me, so he rushed me from the north side of town to the hospital. It took two shots of Narcan and being shocked with the defibrillator several times to bring me back. I remember the peace and serenity in that stillness that I felt before they brought me back. I had never felt anything like it in my entire life. I wished that they had left me there. The doctors found heroin on me while saving my life and called the police. 
there's a law in the state of Arizona that protects me from being charged with anything found on me during life-saving measures. However, the officer that came to the hospital had known me from my previous marriage to one of his coworkers. He heard me tell the nurse I needed to leave to get high, so he made a decision to arrest me anyways in hopes of saving my life. I, of course, manipulated my brother into bailing me out of jail and used for another week after that. There are no words to properly depict that kind of insanity. During that week, I placed myself in some very deadly situations with some very dangerous people that I'm still uncertain how I walked away from. On October 10th, just nine days after my almost fatal overdose, I was arrested again on the fourth felony case in a matter of just a couple of months. Here I was, yet again, detoxing on the concrete floor of a cold jail cell. This time I was facing two-year enhancements for each new arrest and was looking at a minimum of eight and a half years flat. This time in jail was different than any other. I mean, I had been pretty low in the past, pretty humiliated, pretty ashamed, embarrassed, hurting, and sad. But this time, I was empty. I had crossed almost every line I swore I never would, had crushed my children's hearts time and time again, had disappointed and lost every single person I had ever loved or cared for, and lost everything I had ever owned. The pain in my heart was so intense that my chest physically ached. I wasn't even sure if I identified as a person anymore. I had tried every worldly option of changing my life. I had tried limiting my partying, only drinking and no drugs, only doing it at home. I had been to jails, rehabilitation centers, changed geographical locations, changed partners, changed behaviors, changed careers, and yet nothing, absolutely nothing repaired the God-sized hole in my heart. This time I thought to myself, I already wish I was dead. I have nothing left to lose. Maybe it's time that I give this God thing a serious try. So I got myself a Celebrate Recovery Bible. Thank God this program reaches the incarcerated. At first, I struggled. I struggled with praying to this God I didn't even know. I struggled with reading this Bible full of scriptures that I couldn't understand. I struggled with the racing, distracting thoughts of the 34 years of painful memories in my head. I struggled with the anxiety every time I tried to spend a moment with God. I wondered if I was praying right or if he was even listening after everything I had done, but I stayed with it. I started to notice that each time I would sit down to spend time in my Bible or in prayer, that things would happen to distract me. The jail would get louder, a fight would break out, a cell search or a lockdown would happen. A thought had occurred to me that perhaps this was the enemy's intent to distract me and keep me separated from God. Here's what I now know to be true. The devil doesn't waste bullets. So if he's coming after you, it's because he knows how valuable your purpose is to the kingdom of God. The enemy had kept me in his grips for so long serving him, and here I was, army crawling my way out of the pits of hell by getting closer to God. The devil was scared. So I stuck with my Bible reading and prayers, no matter the distractions. My heart began to feel lighter. I felt positive and happy in jail of all places. As my court date got closer and closer, I continued to pray. Only now my prayers were shifting. I was no longer praying foxhole prayers for God to get me out of this. Now I was praying that if God needed me in prison for eight and a half years, that I would do my time serving him and spreading his word. I went to court that day, and by an act of God alone, I was given probation. The prosecutor's office had slipped up. Didn't catch it until I had already signed to accept it. I was starting to see a pattern here. In that moment, it was unbelievably clear that God had always been and continues to always be my fighter and protector. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 
I was released from jail December 21st, 2018, and immediately entered a faith-based sober living home in Kingman called Angel Manor. Through Angel Manor, I began attending regularly the Celebrate Recovery program at Kingman Central Church. I was baptized in February of this year at Celebrate Recovery and gave my life to Christ. Has it been a perfect walk since coming to know Christ? Absolutely not. I spent a good chunk of time still practicing my worldly behaviors, finding myself still trying to do God's job, be in control, and repair my own life. In the process, it caused a relapse six and a half months ago. I thought I could drink again, blacked out, and woke up being revived from another overdose. This time I got on my knees on the bathroom floor. I lifted my hands to God, and I begged him to reveal himself to me like never before. I told him that I wasn't sure when I had stopped listening again, but I was listening now. I gave him everything in that moment on the bathroom floor. I told him I would freely give him my children, my finances, my pain, my family, my addiction, my tears, my need for companionship, and most importantly, my heart. I told him I wanted only to follow him and fulfill his purpose for me, and all I asked for was the strength to carry that purpose out each day. Since that day, my life and heart have been filled with a peace and joy like I've never known. It's sad to think that just over a year ago, I was wishing that doctors had left me dead because I could not foresee the healing that Jesus Christ would pour over my heart if I just became available for him. God has blessed me so much in the last six months. He has surrounded me with like-minded Christ followers to inspire my faith on a regular basis. He has removed the scales from my eyes so that I can see things so clearly. He has poured strength and courage into my heart to share my story without shame or guilt. He has answered my prayer for a softening of my dad's heart, and today we are closer than we have ever been. He has given me my 16-year-old son back under the same roof, and our relationship continues to get better and better as I watch him let go of his own anger and resentments. He has begun a restoration with my middle son. Unfortunately, I still do not have my youngest son in my life at all, but I serve a powerful God who's in the business of restoration. So I set aside the pain of missing him, and today I stay focused on being who God needs me to be at any given moment and allow him to handle the restoration that his word promises. God has blessed me with a position in an amazing company doing what I love to do. It also allows me enough time to be a servant for his kingdom. God has brought an amazing man into my life who is a believer and follower of Christ. He's generous, hardworking, loving, and fully supportive of my walk with Christ and the most encouraging man I've ever known. God knew exactly what I needed, even when I didn't. A little over a year ago, I was suffering in a pain like I'd never known, a spiritual bankruptcy that had eaten my soul. This was the person I had become. <clears throat> Today, I stand before you resurrected from that death. Celebrate recovery brought into my life something that I have never experienced before, a new breath of life. Celebrate Recovery taught me that it was okay to not be okay. For a long time, I thought I needed to get myself cleaned up before I came to God, and what I found out was God wanted me to come to him in all my mess and let him clean me up. The members of Celebrate Recovery, both new and old, showed me love when I had no idea how to love myself. They taught me how to share the healing of a warm embrace with others like me. I have become someone who inspires others in their hope and their walk in faith. I have been transformed by a renewing of my mind. God, through Celebrate Recovery, has made me a light in the darkness, a walking example of the grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father. And today, because of that grace and mercy, 
God uses my story to inspire others to call on God for that same healing. I am not special. I did not receive something rare or unavailable to others. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. "Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future." This is a promise from God. It is available to all of his children, no matter how far from him you've gone. If you're hurting tonight, I want you to know there is hope in Christ. All you have to do is ask. Thank you for letting me share. New in 2022, have you or someone you've known been dealing with hurts, habits, or hangups? Are you looking for a place where others understand and admit that we all need a better way to live life? Heart of Texas Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program designed to help deal with past hurts, unhealthy habits, and hang-ups that keep us from successful living. Celebrate Recovery is not just for those dealing with addictions to drugs and alcohol. Celebrate Recovery is much more. Anger issues, insecurities, codependency, abuse, fear, anxiety, divorce. Celebrate Recovery helps us all find freedom, support, healing, peace, and new life. Heart of Texas Celebrate Recovery meets Thursdays at 6 o'clock p.m. at the Heart of Texas Event Center located at 804 San Angelo Highway. We look forward to you joining us this Thursday at 6 o'clock. What is in your future is so much better than what's in your past. The time is now to come and celebrate with us. Are you facing a crisis or has something unexpected happened to you? Maybe your home and relationships have been harmed by divorce, or do you have marriage, parenting, or blended family issues, career choices, financial issues, addiction, or just plain old I need to know how to do life better to avoid making so many bad choices. At Home Success Coaching is a great place to start. If you need someone to listen, someone to talk, to process your feelings, insight, or advice on how to have a better life, At Home Success Coaching can help you out of a crisis or just help you stay on the right path and reach the the goal of having the very best home, family, and relationships possible. At Home Success Coaching is a nonprofit organization and there is no charge for our services or programs that are offered. Visit at homesuccesscoaching.com. That's at homesuccesscoaching.com, helping one home at a time. Well, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed that testimony tonight from Jamie with Celebrate Recovery. Uh, so much that she shared there that um, Some people can relate to, some people can't relate at all. But uh, the thing is, is that we all don't share the same issues, but the bottom line is we all do have issues. Well, and to hear someone talk about making it uh, successfully is so encouraging and lets us all know that we can make it successfully. Mm -hmm. And so somebody who's been through it, their testimony is invaluable. You know, you can listen to experts and people with PhDs talk about uh, clinically this and that and what have you, but somebody who's actually walked the walk and can talk the talk is so important. Mm -hmm. And so much that she shared there, relationship after relationship after relationship, losing everything more than one time, including her children, Uh, you know, so much there you know that um, you can't even imagine, unless you've lived something like that, how hard it is to keep getting back up and trying to move forward. So uh, I really 
um, was touched by that testimony, and I hope that you were too. So we're going to continue next week with talking about more about new in 2022 and learning how to deal with unhealthy habits that are in our life or hangups and uh, talking about what we can do to make that better. But on a positive note, let's talk about what's coming up. Mr. Rule, do you know what's coming up February 14th? Please tell me. Ah, You don't know what happens every year on February 14th? I usually get in trouble. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Day. That's right. And so we have a special surprise that we're going to be doing again. We did this last year. And so this is going to be our second annual Cutest Couple Photo Contest. Yay. And so uh, we are really excited about uh, doing this with KNEL and uh Last year was so much fun going through all the photos and um, looking at just, you know, precious photos. Some were just touching and romantic. Some were silly and fun. Some were in Halloween costumes. Uh, Some just captured a moment. Uh, But we just want to encourage you that if you would like to enter our cutest couple photo contest, all you have to do is go to kneoradio.com, click on contest cutest couple submission form you can fill it out there tell us a little bit about what makes you so special and submit your photo there we ask that it be a family oriented g-rated photo so please uh, send something in that we can all enjoy looking at and viewing we'll approve those and place those on our website and then we'll be announcing the winner on friday february 11th during our morning program and uh, they will be winning listen to this and we're not eligible but I wish we were but the winner is going to get a romantic getaway to Terlingua Ghost Town which includes accommodations from Big Ben Holiday Hotel and a romantic dinner at the Starlight Theater and Restaurant a bouquet of Valentine flowers from Heritage Flower Shop his and her haircut style and pedicure from Mandy's Hair Store a Valentine goodies basket from At Home with Debbie Rule and You are going to have a great Valentine's if you win this package. Let me tell you, getting that getaway is something else. That is a fun place to go. Seeing the sunset and the sunrise in Terlingua is special. It's breathtaking. And you've never seen stars like you've seen in Terlingua. And if you're wondering where Terlingua is, it's right there at Big Bend National Park. Yes. Right on the Rio Grande. So you can research that, uh, Big Ben Holiday Hotel. Uh, also, the Perry Mansion, which is probably where your accommodations will be. Uh, so very nice. And so uh, Google it, look at it, and see. But you will enjoy the prize package that we have this year for you for entering the cutest couple photo uh Contest. So again, if you're interested in being a part of that, you can go to knelradio.com. Those submission forms will be up and ready tomorrow. The contest actually starts tomorrow. So you can go to knelradio.com, click on contest, go to cutest couple submission form, fill out that form. You have to fill out all the required fields, including what tells us a little bit about what makes you special. Be sure you submit your photo and we'll approve that. It will put that on our website and then we'll be announcing the winner on Friday, February 11th during the morning show. And somebody's going to be a lucky winner of that romantic getaway and all those goodies for Valentine's Day. So if you want to get in good with your wife or your girlfriend or your significant other, submit a photo 
and maybe you'll win this package and you won't have to go shopping for Valentine's Day. You'll have this gift to give. It's romantical. It's romantical. That's right. And we are so excited about it. So we'll be talking more about that over the next few weeks. But if you want to learn more about it, go to our website, knelradio.com. encourage you to check out our website. It's a new website. We've got lots of great things on there. Our question of the day has returned. Also, there's a, a way that you can submit events. If you have an event that's going to be going on in the community, you can fill out a submission form. If you know of some news that's going on that we haven't covered and you want to submit that as well. Also, if you have a trading on the radio listing that you would like to submit, you can go to our website and submit that as well. We'll announce it on the air and it will be put on our list that we put on our website. So great things going on right here on KNEL. And don't forget our podcast. Our basketball games are uh, on those right now. Also at Home with Debbie Rule. Hillbilly Hits, and any other special uh, interview that we may do is on the KNEL radio podcast. So a lot going on here. We are so happy that you could be with us tonight. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home. We always love hearing from you and spending Sunday evening with you sharing our thoughts about home, family, and relationships. From our home to yours, I'm Debbie Rule. And I'm Rudy Rule. And we'll see you next week at 6 p.m. right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and knelradio.com. Have a blessed week. Thank you for joining us today for At Home with Debbie Rule. You can be at home with Debbie Rule every Sunday on KNL 95.3 FM and KNLradio.com. Follow At Home with Debbie Rule on Facebook and podcast on iTunes. See you next week at home with Debbie Rule for more insights on home, family, and relationships.